I remember when Blockbuster Video was at the height of its power. It was everyone's weekly and sometimes nightly ritual to go and rent a movie or two on VHS and just relax at home until it was time to return it to the store and repeat the process again. I never partook in Blockbuster myself. Teenage me didn't get the point of renting entertainment when the option to just buy it exists. As I saw it, if I pay money for a movie and then have to give back the movie, I'm left with nothing. No money, no movie. It seemed like a terrible deal, and yeah, buying movies all the time will leave you with a lot of bad ones that you don't like or want, but there was always the option of selling them or giving them away or just amassing a large library, a collection of the entertainment I've consumed, shelves full of tapes that stand as a shrine to my movie-watching fandom. It took me way too long to make this connection, but that whole time I'd been totally fine with going to see movies in the theater. I'd go to a theater, pay them my money, watch the movie once, and then leave with absolutely nothing but a memory of the experience. And once I realized that, it changed the way I look at home video. It made me realize that I was getting hung up on the idea of a movie as a product I could physically own, when all my life going to theaters has taught me that a movie is something intangible that I take in and experience. I think that what made that fuzzy for me was the concept of individuals being able to buy or rent copies of a movie, emphasizing the transactional nature of acquiring it, making me think about it in the same terms I would any other thing bought in a store. I lost track of the fact that a movie, its story, its characters, are not a physical product that can be purchased and owned. No matter how many Blu-rays, DVDs, or VHS tapes we accumulate, we don't actually own any of those stories or those characters but it can sure feel like we do. Understanding that there's a disconnect between the physical product and what's printed on the physical product was probably the first step towards me not wanting to be a collector. Unfortunately, if you read enough comic books, you pretty much become a collector whether you want to be one or not. I only ever followed about five or 10 series at one time, but it adds up and it adds up quick. I understood I was paying for an experience, the experience of taking in these stories, but what was I supposed to do with them after I was done? Throwing them away didn't seem right, and there was always this part of me that kinda liked the fact that I had all of these issues. It was like a physical representation of what a big fan I am. I've got all these long boxes packed with comics, isn't that impressive? So I kept reading, and I kept collecting, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to keep amassing this stuff because it has a personal meaning to you, because it has a quantifiable value to other people, because it would be a shame to stop before you had a complete run. Even after I stopped reading comics, I kept buying Green Lantern for maybe a year, just because I'd always done it. I wouldn't read them. I'd put them right in the box because I still had that collector's mindset, that thought process that said, I should own this. And it took way too long, again, but I remembered the lesson I learned as a teenager. A funny thing happens to people when they become fans of something. It becomes very easy to take your favorite thing and fold it into your personal identity. Everyone does it. I know I did it. I consumed every piece of Green Lantern media, collected Green Lantern memorabilia, wore Green Lantern t-shirts, made Green Lantern the focus of most of my online interactions with other people, using Green Lantern emblems as my avatars. I had let this brand I love become one of my outwardly defining traits. 
And combined with the fact that I was spending a significant amount of money on my hobby, it felt like this was my thing. That I was some authority on Green Lantern, that I had some claim to Green Lantern. That if I saw someone misunderstanding or hating on Green Lantern, it was my responsibility to step in and set the record straight. To stand up for my thing. I never got too jerkish about it, at least I hope I didn't. But I still see uncomfortable echoes of myself whenever there's a story about fans in an uproar over the ending of Game of Thrones or petitioning to have The Last Jedi removed from canon and remade entirely. People who invested themselves and their time and their money into incorporating their favorite piece of entertainment into their personal identity suddenly being confronted with the fact that they have no control over it because it was never actually theirs in the first place. And that hurts, because we get invested. DC and his characters mean the world to me, and there's nothing I want more than for the rest of the world to understand why. I want to be able to point to something accessible, like a TV show or a movie, and say, there, that's it. That's why this thing I love is so awesome. I want the world to know why my favorite thing should also be one of their favorite things. and. On some level, I want my own passion for these things to be validated. I spent most of my life believing there would never be a live-action Green Lantern movie on the big screen. So when they announced it, I was jumping for joy inside. I thought, finally, what I love would be given its due and have the mainstream success it deserves. And as the set photos and interviews began to roll out, all pointing to the movie being kind of bad, I was more than willing to brush that off, because who cares if the CGI looks bad now, they still have time to fix it. We'll just have to wait and see the finished product. I hung on to that hope right up until I was sitting in the theater watching the movie. And I knew. I knew it wasn't what I wanted. I knew it wasn't as good as it could have been, and should have been. But the Green Lantern fan in me ignored all that. I found things to like in almost every scene. I saw little easter eggs and zeroed in on what I thought were the moments of good acting and the jokes I thought landed. I was ready and willing to be an apologist for this movie because I wanted it to be something more than it was. I needed it to be more than it was. Because if the movie about my favorite thing is bad, will that become its legacy to the world at large? What does this say about me personally if the thing I love the most is widely recognized as being awful? It's completely irrational, but it's easy to get so invested in something that an attack on it can feel like an attack on you. A simple criticism of a piece of entertainment can feel like something personal that you have to get defensive over. Like you're not simply saying the movie was bad, you're saying that I'm an idiot for enjoying it even though I didn't really enjoy it, but I'm way too invested in its existence to really look at things rationally. It took a while, longer than it should have, but I did eventually come to terms with the fact that the Green Lantern movie was bad. And that hurt. Not just because the fan in me wanted better, but because my favorite thing had its chance to prove itself to the entire world, and it failed. And I still know people today, other Green Lantern fans, who to this day will tell you that the movie wasn't that bad. But they need that to be true. Because when you take a franchise, characters that mean so much to so many people, and then underrepresent them, you're doing more than just making a disappointing movie. 
and it makes people lash out because those feelings have to go somewhere. Since coming back to comics, I've made the jump and am now all digital. Going digital gave me some much-needed separation. By taking the transaction for physical goods completely out of the equation, I, I feel like I have a cleaner perspective on the characters and stories that I didn't before. Like, as long as I'm not physically adding something else to my life, I'm free to think about these things without internalizing them so much, or associating them so closely with myself. And it's, it's funny, my attitude towards digital comics used to be the same as my attitude towards blockbuster video. Why would I pay for something I'm not going to own physically? What if my devices break or the internet goes down? What happens to all that money I spent when the Comixology servers shut down one day? Even if we ignore all of the disadvantages to having a gigantic collection made entirely of paper, I can't ignore the fact that I still pay to go see movies in the theater. And more to the point, I have a Netflix account. If you pay for Netflix, you are giving them money every single month and getting absolutely nothing physical in return. What you get is the experience of consuming their catalog of shows and movies, something that will go away forever if Netflix ever shuts down. And while there are a lot of problems with proprietary streaming platforms, something positive that's come from their success is the fact that more and more people are becoming okay with the idea of treating their entertainment as an experience and less like a product they feel ownership over. Everyone still has that one favorite thing they define themselves by, and that can lead to some pretty entitled outbursts like with Star Wars, like with Game of Thrones, like with the Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie. But I still believe that overall we're moving in the right direction, because as we embrace new ways of consuming the media we love, we're becoming acclimated to new ways of thinking about the consumption of media. In the earliest days of the American comic book industry, new issues were something you read once and got rid of. You traded them away, or left them lying around somewhere, or rolled them up and put them in your pocket. There was no collecting, the value was the content, and nobody cared about the paper it was printed on. And I know there's a large contingent of fans out there who stand by the idea that print is just the way comics are supposed to be. But the reality is, print was just the best delivery system at the time. The most reliable, efficient, cost-effective way to distribute comics was to print them on paper and ship that paper out to stores. But let's not kid ourselves. If the internet existed in the 1950s, we would have had digital comics in the 1950s. Because not only is digital a far better delivery system in basically every way, it gets back to the heart of what the comic reading experience used to be way back when it first began. It makes comics disposable again. And that's a good thing. I buy a whole bunch of new comics digitally, I read them, and when I'm done, if I don't have a specific reason to keep them on my device, I delete them. Sure, I can re-download them later if I feel like it, but I know I won't. Because what do we always do with our comics? We read them once and we file them away, possibly never to open them again. The other big epiphany I had was to realize that having a massive collection of comics that I never reread was the same as not having a collection of comics at all. The only difference is that physical books take up a lot of valuable space in my home, and if I'm not going to read them again, why do they need to be there? Why do I need to keep making the pile bigger? 
The big downside of digital that everyone always goes back to is that you don't own a physical object, but owning physical objects is kind of the biggest problem with being a collector. Especially with a hobby like this that puts out new content so frequently that it discourages you from rereading much of your existing collection. These days, I think I'm in a much better place when it comes to my fandom. Green Lantern is still my thing, but it's not my thing. I'm not entitled to anything. It's a thing I like, not a thing I own, not a thing I am. I'm just a guy who likes characters and likes stories. I consume them, I think about them, I talk about them, and I move on without a physical collection to track my progress because the real value of these things is the way they make us feel, the things they make us think about, and the conversations they let us have with each other. Everything else is just noise and clutter getting in the way of the good stuff. But I'm curious to hear about your relationship with your own fandom. What's the one thing you have the strongest connection to? How big is your collection, and how do you feel about it? What's your discourse with other fans usually like? Do you feel like you've ever taken things too far? And how willing are you to let a core aspect of your fandom change? MosaicDanPodcast at gmail.com Thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen. I'm Dan Kurtzke. This has been Episode 2. Thank you for listening to My Mosaic.